In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in. It is the offseason, Jesse, but the news never stops for the Badgers. Plenty of news, especially football news of late, including the uh, the breaking news as we're talking about this uh, yeah. Thursday, late Thursday morning. First from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and then the Wisconsin State Journal confirming that uh, Bob Bostad moving from inside linebackers coach over to the offensive line where he was a fixture for three years, uh, excuse me, four seasons, uh, 2008 through 2011 at Wisconsin uh, under Brett Bielema and, and obviously Paul Christ as the OC. Um, but what he uh, what he brings is, uh, I think a lot of people were hoping that this move was going to happen before, right? I mean, I, I remember talking about this, hell, three years ago, four years ago. Like, why is, why is Bob Bostad being wasted at inside linebackers, coach? It just so happened that the inside linebackers were pretty darn good under his tutelage. But he is back on the offensive side of the ball at offensive line. I think it's the the right move in the, in the move that uh, I think a lot of us were expecting. It makes all the sense in the world. We've been talking about this since the moment Joe Rudolph left. And as you said, some people before Joe Rudolph left, he's got three decades of coaching experience at the position. He already was the O-line coach for Wisconsin. He's been in the NFL with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tennessee Titans. And it also makes perfect sense when you consider what Paul Chris potentially wants to do with the rest of his coaching staff. So as first moves go, couldn't have made a better decision. It just fits perfectly. My, my question, I suppose, would be then what you do with the inside linebackers. There are obviously some options already on staff, and that would seem to be the direction that Chris is going to go, considering the other piece of news that I'm sure you're about to share. Yeah, so obviously moving... Bob Bostad to offensive line, you, you could just hire an inside linebackers coach and everything would be status quo, right? Well, it doesn't look like Wisconsin is going to do that. They posted the offensive coordinator position late Wednesday night, and that position, you would think, uh, is going to be an outside hire. Obvious. I think that's that seems obvious at this point with Bob Bostad being the, the offensive line coach. I think that there's a possibility he's probably like the run game coordinator. Uh, I believe that's a title that he has held in the past. So that that's certainly a possibility. But the offense coordinator position being posted, it leaves uh, a lot of possibilities. And there are a ton of names out there. Um, I think some are focusing on a few names that have been that uh, been talked about, whether it was Scott Tolzien or Daryl Bevel or the newest one since the last time we talked would be Bobby Engram, the, uh, the father of cornerback Dean Ingram, but also a guy who coached with Paul Christ in Pitt and has been the uh, the tight ends coach with Baltimore. So, like, that's another possibility. But this does open up a huge window of uh, possibilities where a guy could come in and uh, be a new voice and, and potentially a new direction for certain parts of the offense. And very Wisconsin-like for it to just kind of show up quietly, posted on a Wednesday night. But it, it does leave open a bunch of possibilities, and this is what we – thought was an option for Paul Christ. Neither you or I, I think, knew whether he would actually go ahead and and do this. The, the thing is that's intriguing right now is there are really, there's scant information on what the role would entail or whether the job would require coaching a specific position just based on the description. All it says is that the job summary basically is to assist the head coach 
in accordance with NCAA rules with recruiting and organizing and conducting practices, but it's very like job description verbiage. The only, I think the, the, the other things that are worth noting are applica- applications close 11.55 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday, and the anticipated start date is listed as on or after January 31st. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to announce someone January 31st, but obviously this is a process that um, is they've gotten the ball rolling and everyone's got to have their, their information in soon. So I would imagine we would have our answer here probably early February at the latest, you would think. I bet by this time next week we have the answer. You so might be already, right about that too. I'm sure they already know exactly what they want. I think they already have their guy. Yeah, I do. Like I, in the past, um, you know, when these jobs are posted, I feel like they've already got their guy. I mean, mm-hmm. if they, if, if, why not post it right away after Joe Rudolph leaves? Right. Like if, if, if that's what this is about, you know, getting the seven days or whatever, I think they have their guy seven days and we'll know that guy sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, obviously Paul has had time to, to think about this and I'm really intrigued to find out who it's going to be. <laughs> you mentioned that the few candidates that have been thrown about a lot. I mean, with Daryl Bevel being one name right now, he's still the, I got a, was asked a question about this recently too, but right now he's still the interim coach of the Jaguars. I don't know where things stand in terms of when they potentially hire somebody else, but you mentioned last time we did a show he seems like an nfl guy of course if you're out of a job pretty good landing spot to be the oc at wisconsin but I, he hasn't been in college since he was a receivers coach at connecticut more than 20 years ago so it, it would make some sense in terms of like yeah he's got wisconsin ties but it's a totally outside perspective he's got two decades in the nfl but is that something he'd want is that something that would line up i don't know i think it also suggests that the office coordinator position it being an office coordinator position i don't i think that in my mind, we talked about this last week. I think this rules out Scott Tolzien because I don't think he's going to go from not coaching, not having ever coached a position, uh, being an NFL analyst, you know, an analyst for the Cowboys the last couple of years, to being an offensive coordinator of a Big Ten school that is looking, you know, to change things up. I find that I would find that hard to believe. However, mm, I uh, do think it's a possibility that it could be a guy like a Bobby Enger because mm-hmm. of his ties to Paul and getting into the next aspect of, <laughs> of this whole process and the potential. These are all rumors. I, I should probably throw, throw that out there. Like they, these are rumors. There is, there are no um, reports. There are, there are no, we have not learned of uh, exactly what is, is happening inside. I'll, I'll say that right now. Um, but it goes to this other thing that we talked about before I came on the air, Jesse, and that you wanted to address and that you're going to address in your mailbag tomorrow. And that's um, Caleb Williams. And yeah. the, the rumors out there that Wisconsin is in play because of his respect for Paul Christ, his like of what he did with Russell Wilson a decade ago. And then also, you know, the potential potential for um, a guy that's going to get some him ready for the NFL. And that would uh, that would lead someone to say that Wisconsin's going to bring somebody from the NFL to Madison to be the office coordinator. And Bobby, Bobby Engram is the name there just because he's got ties to Chris, but he's also got ties to Williams. And uh, so if you want to, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, the, the gift that we all throw up there when, when you got how many different things going on from uh, it's always sunny. And it's like here pointing this and pointing that and pointing this. That's what this kind of is like. <laughs> um, 
And so I, and I, and I think that's probably where everybody's at with it, but it's at least you can, you can kind of see it, but I also feel like Paul Chris isn't hiring a guy just to get somebody here as a recruit. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this, this, this is not about Caleb Williams. This is going to be about the program and building the program. I was asked like 80 questions or there were 80 questions or comments for my, my mailbag prompt. And seven of the questions had the words Caleb Williams in it. And at least three more commented on those questions. So obviously it's big topic among Badgers fans. I'll just say this. I, I, and I'm mentioning this in my mailbag, which is running Friday. I would be stunned if that actually happened. The whole reason this has even become a talking point is because Brandon Drum is the 24-7 sports OU insider. That's their the Oklahoma website. He he wrote his thoughts on where Caleb Williams could wind up on Saturday. And in that, he said that like he was told was Wisconsin intrigued the Williams camp because, as you said, of how Paul Chris developed Russell Wilson and that the Williams uh, family respected Chris and his pro-style offense. And in that same what I'm hearing thing, he said he wasn't reporting that Williams even planned to visit Wisconsin, just suggested it was a program to watch like Georgia. And that's all we have. And my point is, that is a ridiculously huge leap to make from potential interest to visiting and ultimately picking Wisconsin. I would agree with that. I you know, totally agree with that, especially the idea of he wants to go to the NFL and yes. he's looking for the best program to get him the NFL. I wouldn't think Wisconsin's quarterback history would be there uh, as as the reason for it. You know what I mean? Like that, the, the last quarterback to start a game, I mean, obviously Russell Wilson, right? But the last quarterbacks to to go into the NFL and, and start games left Wisconsin in 2011. Before that, even even to play in games, uh, Scott Tolzien, Jim Sorgi, Brooks Bollinger, like those are those are the names that have done it in the last 30 years. Right. It, it seems it seems like a little bit of a leap to put all your all your eggs in this Wisconsin basket. If you're Caleb Williams, that said, he also hasn't signed with anybody yet. No, and, he hasn't. And so, you know, a top guy like that, uh, he has his choice of pretty much wherever he wants to go, but he hasn't chosen anything yet. And that would suggest he's waiting for things to happen. And uh, there are plenty of moving pieces all around college football. There's no doubt about that. But one of those moving pieces would be who's the next offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. It, it certainly could be. There are a couple other things that I would say about this is that's a, a very good point you make about the quarterback history in terms of going to the NFL. I think that should be considered. And the other thing is, and maybe this is a, a short term or short sided look, but Wisconsin's wide receiver core for next season. If one guy that's caught more than three career passes, Chimray DK. Um, I mean, I imagine you have to consider the personnel that you have around you. Wisconsin has a, a superstar with Braylon Allen at running back. They'll, they'll generally have a, a solid offensive line, but the school that seems most likely, and again, nothing is official, but it's, it's USC for a number of reasons that Lincoln Riley who was at Oklahoma and was Williams's coach last season is now the head coach there. Um, they just landed Mario Williams, the wide receiver. He was, a, he was the number four wide receiver in the 2021 class, a four-star prospect. He was at Oklahoma as well, came in in the same class as Caleb Williams. So now he's at USC. And Lincoln Riley has basically remade USC's wide receiver room. Not only has he brought in Mario Williams, but he's brought in Washington's Terrell Bynum, and he's brought in Colorado's Brennan Rice, who's the son of Jerry Rice. And all three of those guys were considered among the top transfers available at the position. 
And they've also got a four-star wide receiver coming in in the 2022 class who's already signed. So it just, those are, and, and, and let's also consider that Williams already visited USC and UCLA reportedly on a family vacation out in Los Angeles. So that's a lot of stuff to throw out there. It's a lot of stuff. Why hasn't he, why hasn't he announced his commitment to USC? Well, that's a good question. What I would say is if you're looking for a timeline on that, according to the Los Angeles Times, Williams would have to make his decision to join USC uh, by January 28th, because that's the deadline for full-time students to enroll for the spring semester. And Williams would therefore participate in spring practice. So I would say if it doesn't happen by January 28th, it's not happening at USC. And then maybe you open up this window of possibilities and, and we go down this rabbit hole even further. Um, you know, I, I, I can't say why it hasn't happened yet, but certainly that's part of the, the deal here is he knows, I mean, he's a, he's a five-star high school quarterback was number two in the country at his position coming out of high school, wherever he goes. And he was great last season for Oklahoma, by the way, he was, was a starter the last part of the season through 21 touchdown passes to four interceptions, wherever he goes, he's the starter. He's the crown jewel. So presumably, <laughs> and he can take his time is the point I'm making. So maybe we'll see how it plays out with some other schools. All I'm saying is at this point, at least it just seems hard to believe (laughs) that it would be Wisconsin given all the other options and given the history at USC. But again, if he doesn't pick them or sign or everything becomes official by the 28th, then we can have this discussion further. All right. That's fine. That's fair. Actually. Um, I look forward to everyone freaking out in your, mentions on your article tomorrow um, <laughs> yeah i'm sure they'll love it yeah but what are you gonna do try to be a realist yeah exactly and i'm of the opinion that it's not gonna happen right so but i'm i'm being here a little uh contrarian and throwing some ideas back at you so that you can knock them down but i i don't think it's gonna happen but there are if you want to be that uh conspiracy guy and, and throw you know all those things up in the up on the wall and try and figure them out you right. can see a path, but you can see a yeah. path to almost any program of the country in that sense. hundred percent, a hundred percent. But, and, and the, well, here's the other thing that I guess I wouldn't understand. Uh, Wisconsin players, they're back. Have Cliven classes started this week or am I wrong on that? I am not sure. Uh, I mean, I, from what I read, there are some schools on a quarter system that technically you could come in in March, but that ain't Wisconsin. So just another thing to throw out there. I, I, I don't know how the timeline would line up there. Um, so they're back in school, you're saying, this week? Um, I, I know the players are back. I mean, uh, obviously, the early enrollees and the transfers who were going to be here for the spring, spring semester, they all moved in over the weekend. They're all here. So I don't know necessarily if that means school started. I probably should have looked at the UW yeah. calendar. So what do, we make, what do we make of Graham Mertz posting pictures from him being, in a, being still in Kansas City? maybe <laughs> i don't know i'm just uh, messing with you uh, is that true <laughs> yes it's definitely true um but again i'm yeah it, it's true it, again i don't know when the pictures were taken um but yes uh i'm, I'm guessing i'm guessing a long time ago uh but they what, uh, what pictures are you referring to is this instagram yeah so if you go to his Instagram and now we're yep. getting into the spot where I don't no, want to be, but let's do it. What with the picture with his family? It's from January 9th. Nope. Go, uh, mm-hmm. 
if you go into pictures he's tagged in. Yeah. And I don't heard, even know if I know how to do that. It's Element Fitness KC from 19 hours ago. All right. A sauna. Three different pictures of him in the sauna. Man, you uh, you are on top of the social media game. I have to say, like, you've got the information 45 seconds after someone makes their Instagram announcement. So I give you props. But again, I don't know when those pictures are actually taken. So, yeah. uh, but yes, pictures he was tagged in. We're at that point in life. And I feel really stupid right now uh, uh, talking <laughs> about this. But um, it was a joke, but they are there. So, um, again, right now, I don't see any other way that, other than Graham Mertz being the quarterback of Wisconsin this fall. Yep. Um, as much as people don't want to hear that, but <laughs> no, I, I, if you don't want to hear that, I, I don't know. I mean, what are you looking for? I, that, that's not a question. That Caleb Williams. Asking. Okay. Well, Hey, dream big, <laughs> work hard, dream big, right? That's the, yep. the lot mantra. Uh, there's nobody on the roster as currently constructed that will challenge Graham. And I think we've discussed this before, right? Chase Wolf. He's been a backup for a reason. He's thrown four picks on 24 throws over the last two seasons. That's priority number one as a quarterback. You got to be able to trust the guy that he's going to take care of the football. And even though Graham had some issues doing that, they were against pretty good competition and he did a much better job down the stretch. Deacon Hill, for as much talent as he has, was a scout team quarterback last year. And Miles Burkett coming in as an early enrollee, I, I talked to him recently and certainly like anybody else, you want to come in and try to give yourself an opportunity to, to compete for the job. Need I remind you that the last true freshman quarterback to start uh, came in 1991. Jameis Sias, is that how you pronounce his last name? It is. That's him. So <laughs> it just doesn't happen. <laughs> yes. That's one of my favorite stats to throw out. Oh, it's a great one. Yeah, it's amazing. Last oh, but by, by the way, the spring semester begins January 25th. So I just want to make clear that even during the show, we look up our information to make sure we give you the most accurate information possible. So there yes. you have it. All right, cool. Um, so what, but when do workouts start? Well, presumably this week. I don't know why you'd move in and I feel like we're working out. I, I feel like we would have seen posts from Badger football. You're right. You're right. It's, it's only officially the football offseason when we get social media posts of dudes like grunting really hard while squatting. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, before we get any further into this, though, uh, speaking of dudes squatting and, and weight room, happy birthday, Braylon Allen. He is now officially 18 years old. We no longer have to hear about uh, him being only 17 years old. It was kind of funny. He tweeted out Thursday morning that, quote, the end of an era, rest in peace, quote, he's only <laughs> 17. So it is. It, it is done. Congratulations to Braylon Allen. He can now do all the things that an 18-year-old can do. They used to be a lot better than they are now uh, in terms of things you can do when you're 18. But hey, um, still, we don't, want, we don't have to hear it, and we have to find something else for announcers to pick up on, national announcers to pick up on and uh, say every single telecast multiple times. Do you have any, do you have any uh, potential uh, possibilities in that respect? Wow. I, I would really have to think about it. I, I, I'd rather do a top five things that have been said a hundred million times on the air about a Wisconsin player. <laughs> Cause that's easier to do. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I really need to dive deep into this, but it's gotta be someone that you're going to see on TV every week. So it's gotta be a major player. Maybe that John Torchio's nickname is the jewelry thief. I feel like that could build some momentum. Yep. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, that's a good one. It's a good story. It is. It is. Um, what about uh, what about Jake Ratzloff being like a Minnesota uh, hockey, hockey player? Yeah, you know, I right? don't. No, know no he never much... committed. He never committed to. He never committed. No, right? he did. He, he did, did. I believe as a freshman in high school, it's different for hockey. Yeah. Um, it could be. I don't know he, how many it, snaps he's going to get this season. Well, that's the, the thing. Like we we both don't think that he's going to have. He's going to be a good player here. I oh, think yeah. that there's a, there's a possibility. Maybe he jumps into that because I don't think there is a guaranteed next guy at that spot right now, uh, other than Jordan Turner. So yeah, uh, I do yeah. think there's going to be a potential for competition there. So oh, maybe absolutely. He, maybe he can jump up there. Yep. And I had a chance to talk to Jake in December when we could talk to some of those young guys during bull prep. So there's a story coming on some of those young, young linebackers, but people rave about how long his arms are and the fact that he's really only starting here. He spent his entire life being a multi-sport athlete. So a lot of talent for him. I think that's a good one. I think that's a dark horse pick. You know, if we were laying odds, you know, maybe it's a thousand to one or I don't know, a hundred to one. The Torchio thing I feel like is four to one. Yeah, that's probably that's those are those are probably good odds for that. Um, but we, we got to find something in between four to one and one hundred to one. So I suppose if you're listening out there, just throw something at us in in the Twitter. Uh, just add us on Twitter. What, what do you have for best storyline uh, that you might hear a hundred million times on the broadcast this year of a Wisconsin football game? Yeah, for sure. So that I, I guess that kind of the, the Caleb Williams t- type of thing kind of moves into the rest of the transfer portal news. Yeah, because Wisconsin been busy. Wisconsin yeah, has been a lot of news busy. and we look, we knew, or I, I shouldn't say we knew, we thought that they would be because they had some, some hills, some holes to fill in certain spots. Cornerback. I don't think was necessarily one that jumped out uh, yeah. to the, to the extent that they have gone in after it. Uh, they added a third guy. So right now, obviously uh Kalon Gerbing was the first one he decommitted and, and ended up at, at uh, Kansas, but they have since gone and added three more Justin Clark from Toledo uh, Jay Shaw from UCLA, and then 24-7 Sports reporting that Cedric Dort from Kentucky has also committed to Wisconsin. So three veteran corners into that mix. The funny thing is you got a, you got Justin Clark, who's a his seventh year, right? Is that that's, that's accurate? And Jay Shaw, sixth year, and Dort, sixth year. So a lot of veterans and all a little bit bigger bodies than what Wisconsin has at the position left over, I should say. Um, but it, it it certainly screams, we think we have issues here or we think we have a need here that you go out and add those guys. And I would imagine not all the guys that are in the room right now, including those three, will be around. Maybe I, I think they'll stick around for spring, but I'm not sure they'll all be around come fall camp. Well, to me, it speaks to the fact that Hank Poteet and Jim Leonard felt like they needed a stopgap between losing Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams and wherever they were going to go after this point. I think you and I, and we talked about seemed as though Alexander Smith and Dean Ingram had the potential for bigger roles. Ingram was the primary slot guy last year. I figured he would take that role into the next year. And then there were questions about perhaps who the third guy is. And I'm not even saying Smith or Ingram, frankly, are guaranteed spots, particularly considering the fact that they brought three guys in. I don't think you bring in three veterans with one more year of eligibility for them to sit the bench. Um, but obviously there's going to be a lot of competition. I think it's a good thing from the outside. If I'm a player in the program already, I'm pissed <laughs> because you put in the work, but Samar Melvin is going to be in that conversation as well. Assuming all these guys are again with the team, we'll have to see how it all shakes out. But 
I'm a little surprised that they've got they've gotten five guys out of the transfer portal at this point, and three of them are cornerbacks. So clearly a position of need to the coaching staff. And I just talked to Justin Clark, the the transfer from Toledo, and he he talked about. I think this could be good for the young guys too. He, he mentioned when he was younger at Toledo, he would have loved to have had a veteran who would pull him aside and lead him. And that's something that he plans to do. So I think it's, it'll be very good for the development of the younger guys for the future of the program at that position. It will be, I think Jay Shaw may be the best, the, uh, the biggest ad though, right? Oh, hundred percent. Um, He's second team all pack 12 last season. Yeah. So I, I went and looked, um, cause I'd never, I, never heard of any of these guys, right. Be, before they, ended up uh, choosing Wisconsin. But if you go back and, you know, I looked up some of the things that were said about him at UCLA and from the LA Times, this is what they had to say about him. Shaw was a lockdown member of the secondary in each of the last two seasons, tying for the team lead with three interceptions in 2021 and two interceptions in a pandemic short in 2020. One of the hardest hitters on the team, Shaw was a second team all Pac-12 selection in 2021 by the AP and Pro Football Focus. And you're getting that guy to come in as a, as a six-year guy to potentially replace two multi-year starters, that's a huge, huge addition. Yes. And to me, it speaks starter all over it. <laughs> if you do that at, at UCLA, I, I think he, he's one of the starters on the outside, presumably, but we'll have to see how it shakes out. It's going to be very intriguing. And I think it's going to be like this moving forward every year. Now there's going to be way more roster turnover and way more opportunity for a bunch of different guys. And I don't think they're done. Obviously we talked about uh, Vito, the, uh, the kicker the, uh, a couple shows ago, but also they added Keontes Lewis yes. wide receiver from UCLA yep. played in 11 games last year. He started one. He didn't catch a pass, but he's a bigger body coming out of uh, St. Louis or East St. Louis. Uh, Craig Appleton shut out coming out of there. He uh, had uh, offers from a ton of teams, uh, including Oregon, including Ole Miss, like a lot of uh, big name teams. And he chose UCLA and now uh, headed to Wisconsin. And when you look at Wisconsin's uh, wide receiver room, you have Jim Ray DK at the top. Then you got Skylar Bell and, and Marcus Allen kind of right there, Stefan Bracey. And then who, right? So I think yep. uh, Keontes Lewis has an opportunity to to play. I mean, if he's playing as a true freshman out there, and obviously he didn't catch any passes, um, it seems like he's going to be in the in the mix for playing time right away when he gets here, you would think. I, I would agree, and he's already here. So I had an opportunity to talk to Keontes' dad this week. Um, I don't know if I'm going to – I'm probably not going to wind up turning it into a story, so sorry. Um, but – it's good information to have and, and good information to discuss here. I think it's a really interesting situation with him because his dad told me that Alvis Witted saw the tape of what Lewis did at UCLA. And, and again, you can take this with a grain of salt because this is Lewis's dad, um, not an impartial party, but he said that Witted was um, blown away by what he saw. And I, you may raise an eyebrow at that because all you see is him not catching passes but you mentioned that he's a bigger body. He's 6'3". Would it obviously wants to have some more big-bodied wide receivers? And he's got the potential to be a playmaker. It's really interesting. He, he didn't catch a pass despite the fact he played in 11 games. If you look at his numbers on Pro Football Focus, he played 207 offensive snaps, and he was used as a run blocker for 128 of them. I mean, his dad told me it's basically ridiculous or, or unheard of is what he put it to, to play that much and not really get a target. So 
at the very least, you've got a physical guy who is willing Welcome to, to be a run blocker. Exactly. <laughs> um, and that's what I was talking to his dad about. Um, he's like, it won't be a big deal for him. But it does seem like they felt as though there could be a chance to get more opportunities at Wisconsin and to potentially do something a little bit different in the wide receiver room. Now, I feel like we have heard that with every wide receiver that ever comes in at Wisconsin. Go back and read my stories of every commit that played wide receiver that was coming in for the position. I'd say we still haven't necessarily seen it outside of Quintez Cephas. So it's possible, but I think he's got that potential and it's a, it's a, I think an important pickup for Wisconsin for the future at that position, because as I said, there's a lot of unproven talent and he would be one of them, but he had a lot of opportunities even out of high school. And his dad told me that some of the schools that were interested in him uh, coming out of the transfer portal were, I think Baylor was one of them. I think there were a few Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, SMU. So Wisconsin was the only one that he ultimately visited and pretty clear that he knew he wanted to come there as long as everything checked out because he visited, took his official visit and moved in like the same weekend. So, um, but here's the other interesting thing that I took away from my conversation with his dad is his dad even said, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I was never really sold on Wisconsin because of the reputation Wisconsin has. And he said the other schools that were recruiting Keontes during this process out of the transfer portal said the same thing. Wisconsin doesn't throw the ball, you know, 40 or, or 50 or 60 times. And his dad said that Alvis's message to them was, you're right, but we're a balanced team. We've got a pro offense. And just because we don't throw it 60 times doesn't mean we don't pass the ball. So I think that's kind of interesting. Obviously, if you're a wide receiver and you're being recruited, to Wisconsin, other programs are going to use that. Um, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but we'll see what happens with him. I, I, in the end, though, good pickup for Wisconsin, I think. So going back to your point about all your stories saying that this guy's going to be the next great thing, <laughs> are, you, are you saying that we should not be reading your stories uh, about and taking any of that for truth or what? I am not saying that because I'm, I'm not writing they're going to be the next great thing. I'm writing that they all think they will come in and potentially uh, elevate Wisconsin's wide receiver room. So the message has been consistent, but have, have we seen it? Uh, not very often. Doesn't mean it won't happen. And certainly we like what we saw from Marcus Allen, Skylar Bell, but need to see a whole lot more. So way to try and twist it around, Zach. You're welcome. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like you tell, telling everybody that Wisconsin's going to national championship basketball this year. It's like, <laughs> I don't remember saying that, <clears throat> but either way. So I, I think Wisconsin, and the way that they are attacking this portal, I don't think they're done. Um, I don't like. I, I think that they we we've seen them offer some. Uh, they they had some offers, other offers in the secondary as well. They are a little light at safety right now. Um, yes, just in definitely. terms of bodies, especially scholarship players. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to go there again. And I would be surprised if wide receiver is another one. And again, we'll see. I do think I do think that if Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams comes. <laughs> which we both think will not happen. Yes. Graham Ertz will not be here. I'd say that's ah, just based on deductive reasoning. That would be a possibility, I'd say. But we're, we're not there at all. No, nowhere close to it. Uh, I don't think that's, that's going to be in the cards. But that is what, you know, when you, when you think about the potential of this offseason and, and what could potentially happen with those guys, Yes. Uh, any other interesting questions that uh, came your way in the, in the mailbag that people can look forward to? Man, got to go through it. I've got it done. I just have to read it over. Um, 
I think I pretty much addressed most of it. Somebody asked about why they haven't heard a word about any 2023 in-state football prospects. Uh, well, it's not as good of a class as 2022. Wisconsin hasn't offered anybody, but I think there's probably some diamonds in the rough. But other than that, I think we mostly covered it. There was another question about how Graham Mertz it was basically wouldn't every defense load the box and try to let Graham Mertz beat you. Um, which is what PJ flex said they were going to do. And they did. I actually think I break down some of the numbers in the mailbag, but Mertz was a lot better against loaded boxes than you might think, which I think indicates that there were far more other issues going on too. But uh, like I said before, even though he didn't have the season that any of us expected, I, there's no one on the roster who's going to beat him out next season. I also saw that you wrote about Raylan Allen and the expectations for yes. next year. Well, I know that when we talked with the guys after the bowl game, I think it was specifically Tanner Bordellini said something to the effect of Heisman Trophy candidate, you know, 2,000 yards is a possibility. Yeah, I think Tanner Bordellini might be a future all-media team member because he, <laughs> he's given you what you need. I, I, he said he thinks that Braylon can easily be a Heisman candidate next year. And then he said, I think next year can be a 2,000-yard rusher, no problem. I don't know about that. I took the numbers of what he had this season and like extrapolated them over a 14-game season, and it's still well short of 2,000 yards. Um, and I don't know what the carry count looks like next season or who's going to be there, who's going to be healthy enough. Clearly, Braylon's going to be the guy. But, I mean, expectation. like, the thing is, when I wrote this story a year ago at this time, and now, as you said, he was, he's 18. So he was 17 a year ago. He was going to be a, a linebacker. Probably he was too big to play safety and running back. Wasn't even in the, in the equation. So for him to do all of this in just one year, it's sort of like what's possible in year two. And it's just going to be really fun to watch. Will he be on the Mount Rushmore of running backs at Wisconsin by the end of his career? Oh my lord! Um, I would I guess, need to think I, about that. So Ron Dane is clearly on there. Jonathan Taylor is clearly on there. I would put Melvin Gordon on there, maybe just on the strength of one season. That was the best season I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, Monte Ball had the all-time touchdown record for a lot for a little bit. Um, Alan Amici won a freaking Heisman, although that was in the fifties. <laughs> I mean, would that, is that the top group? Is that who we're talking about? Is there somebody that well, I yeah, missed? I mean, and there have been a lot of really good ones. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the guys in the 2000s kind of get forgotten about because mm -hmm. of how good the 2010s were. Like in, like in Anthony Davis, who's in the top, I think, six or seven, six or seven all-time at Wisconsin. Um, James White, who was never yeah. the featured back, but is right. also one of the all-time leading rushers in Wisconsin history has to be up there as well. But I think Braylon, I mean, he's going to get, he's only, he's got two more years, right? Probably. Well, probably if he leaves early, which he's going yeah. to. Yeah. It's I mean, a different era. It, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost a guarantee that he's going to be gone early um, in my mind. So he's got two more years, kind of like Jonathan Taylor, but Jonathan Taylor had just the most insane true freshman season. I think you'll ever see from almost anybody. Yeah. Um, and at six over 6,000 yards in three, in three seasons, I don't, you know, Braylon's not going to do that, but can he, can he match well, what Melvin did? Well, here's what I would say. As it happens, this is totally coincidental. 
I've got my uh, Wisconsin football fact book next to me just mm. because I obviously write stories about the team and it is open to the page that has the rushing records. I guess this was open for the Braylon Allen story. I'm not sure why, but if we're talking Mount Rushmore, he would have to knock off. This is the top four. It's Dane Taylor ball and Gordon in terms of career rushing yards. Uh, man, it's going to take an, an awful lot. Can he run for more yards than Melvin? Yeah. Um, it's tough though. But I don't, I mean, that single season was so ridiculously good. Yeah. It was, it would be hard for me to say that he could eclipse those four. Uh, so maybe he's fifth, but I don't want to put a, a limit on what Braylon can do. I just, let's say, I mean, let's say he plays two more seasons, as you said, what would he have to run for to even be considered, you know, a, well, 1800, probably, 2000, you know, 2000 yeah, I mean, yard season, probably he'd have to top to 2000 at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what Melvin, Melvin had what like six hundred something as a, as a as a redshirt freshman, as mm-hmm. like the third guy behind Ball and and James White. I, then he had sixteen hundred, and then he had twenty five hundred. <laughs> that, that that third season is just insane. I don't know if anybody is ever going to approach that number again. Just Melvin was remarkable, and so I think no matter what Braylon Allen does, it will always the, the top three there will be Ron Dane, Jonathan Taylor, and Melvin Gordon for me. I think he yeah. can knock I think he can knock Monte off. Obviously Monte played all four years and was a thousand yard rusher in you know three yeah, of those that's years. That's tough. That's really tough. <laughs> it's it's tough. I agree. But I think it's a possibility. And maybe and maybe some of my uh no I'm not going to say it because Ron Dane didn't have a good pro career either. I was going to say some of my, maybe it's not biased by any stretch, but you know, Mel Monte didn't go on and have a great career in the NFL. Melvin's had a, had a, had a solid career in, in uh, Jonathan Taylor through two seasons. He's already considered the best running back in, in the league. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's it, a possibility. I think it's a possibility he could end up above Monte, but it's going to take two very, very special seasons. Yeah, certainly the number one factor, and you could say this about any player, but it's staying healthy. And the reason we bring it up is because he was hurt for a lot of the end of the season. Basically, every game he was limping off the field because he was dealing with various lower body injuries. And I think a lot of it's going to depend on his workload and who else is there to try and help him. But you look at these these season records, there's only four players in school history that have run for more than 18 yards in a single season. And it's the four we've already mentioned. So you you have to get to that level. And with ball... I mean, the sheer volume of uh, stats that he accumulated is it's hard to overlook that he had 77 touchdowns and he had 33 touchdowns in one season in 2011. I don't know. That's, I don't know that we'll see that again. (laughs) But then again, I didn't know that we would have someone who was even in, in the discussion of what Jonathan Taylor did. And all it took was two years. So Wisconsin just seems to keep churning them out. I guess it's a good offseason conversation to have, and it does make you step back and realize how absurd the running backs have been at Wisconsin when you look at some of these records. But Braylon can give himself an opportunity. Couldn't couldn't have been a much better first year for him, given where things started as a fifth-string running back in fall camp and someone who wasn't a part of the rotation the first four games. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. The thing about this whole running back history at Wisconsin is as soon as you think you've seen the best ever, yeah, the next great one comes around, and so that that uh, to me would suggest that there's another great one just around the corner, and and Braylon certainly appears to be that guy. 
And whether he ends up on the Mount Rushmore of, of UW running backs or not, I think he's going to go down as one of the best that's played here. And uh, when you say that, that could be like 10 guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that speaks to where they are as a, uh, as a school and as they are as, you know, just running back. They are running back you, not necessarily always going on and having great success in the NFL, though the last few guys have certainly uh, done it when you think about James White and Melvin and Dario Gumbwale and uh, Corey Clement. And now with Jonathan Taylor, the last, you know, the guys that have been the future backs have all gone on and had NFL careers. So certainly impressive and, and brilliant in that category for sure. Anything else you wanted to touch on, Jesse? Let me throw one more random question at you. This was, this was a mailbag question that I thought was good. And I'd like to get your opinion on it. They asked about, they talked about how many off the field issues there were the past year with the staff defections to other schools, discipline issues with guys exiting the program and so many people who went into the transfer portal. And this is from Steve S. So shout out to Steve. He said, from the outside, it seems like there were more distractions than usual. Usual. Did this contribute in any way to the underwhelming season or was this business as usual? Uh, I gave my answer, but I, I would give you the floor or unless you want me to answer so you can have time to think about it. Uh, I thought it was an interesting question to sort of look back on what the last year has been like and all the changes that have actually happened within Wisconsin's football program. I'll let you give your answer first. Yeah, let me think about it. So I thought about this, and I do not believe that those off-the-field situations substantially changed what happened on the field for Wisconsin. And that's not to say that it shouldn't be ignored, because there were a lot of changes. Obviously, Wisconsin lost three assistant coaches last offseason, so this has all happened in the last year. Anoke Brechterfield to Vanderbilt, John Budmeyer to Colorado State, John Settled to Kentucky. But the D-line played very well this year with Ross Kalaji in charge. The running back room found its next star, as we've discussed with Braylon, and they got Clemson transfer Ches Malusi after Settle left. And they hired about as good of a dude as you could have hired in Gary Brown, who was with the Dallas Cowboys before for a number of years. Um, and with the so to me, maybe the quarterback coaching change could have had an impact, but as the quarterbacks discussed in the spring, they felt like what Paul Christ was bringing was advancing their game and making them more intelligent. So from a coaching change perspective, I don't think it made a substantial difference. I don't think Wisconsin would have been so much better if those hadn't have changed. And you look at the people who left, obviously Loyal Crawford and Jalen Berger were dismissed and Antoine Roberts went into the transfer portal after he'd been suspended. But two of those three weren't going to play this year. And Jalen wasn't happy with his role and they found Braylon. So that sort of makes it easier to move on from Berger and all those guys who entered the transfer portal. Why do you enter the transfer portal? Because you're not happy with your role. Quan Easterling, Devin Chandler, Dante Burton, Caden Lyles, they all went into the portal. And Chandler was a starting kick returner, but not a part of the offensive game plan. None of the other guys were starters. You look at who they had fill in at most of those spots. To me, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Like Joe Tipman couldn't play in the Las Vegas Bowl, so they moved Cormac Sampson in at center. They won the game. The biggest what if to me has got to be Quan Easterling because he left. They lose all the guys who were in front of him that he was mad about that were getting reps in practice. And if he stuck around, he might be the starter at fullback next season. Now he's going to Duquesne. But either way, all the names that I mentioned, I think, doesn't change the fact that I don't think Wisconsin is better than nine and four next season. If, if one of those things is different. So 
that that's my answer. But I did think it was an interesting question as a big picture idea on what has happened over the last year, because it's been a lot. Uh, so I'm throwing that your way. I feel like a lot of people wanted some change when it, when it came to the coaching staff, like it was like the steady coaching staff, steady coaching staff. And then when they leave, it turns into, Oh my gosh, what's going on type of thing. So I like something must be wrong. You mean? Yes. And I don't think there were, I think it was a matter of Inoki had not stayed at a, at a single job as long as he had with this one and wanted to move on um, and wanted to experience something different. John settle, as ridiculous as it sounds, wanted to be a coordinator and he got to be a co-special teams coordinator down at uh, Kentucky. And I think Wisconsin hired uh, a solid replacement, John Settle, as a guy who had not been at a job a certain amount of time uh, before jumping out. And the same thing goes with the year before with uh, the wide receivers coach, whose name is now um, uh, escaping about me. Ted Gilmore. Yes. Thank you. Ted Gilmore had not been at a, at a one job for a, for longer than he had been at Wisconsin. So I think that there were, those I don't think that signifies that there's anything going on. The Michigan State threw some big time money at him, and that's that's what happens. But in terms of the guys leaving, I think I look at what Colin Wilder said is uh, good riddance. He essentially said good <laughs> yeah. riddance, didn't he? He essentially he said did. he essentially said good riddance. If you're not ready to go, and if you're not if you're not going to be here, then then don't be here. If you don't want to be here, don't be here. And I, I I don't think it had a huge impact on what that season was. I think what had a huge impact on that season was starting off against Penn State, Michigan, and Notre Dame. <laughs> I, I, I do. And I thought what else had a huge impact on it was injuries and the, the inability to stay healthy at certain positions, whether it was running back, whether it was uh, tight end, whether it was at times along the offensive line. Like, And then it was also the offense not taking the next step, uh, specifically Graham Mertz, and, and, and improving to the point where they were going to be uh, a dynamic offense. And that that not is not just on him. It's a lot of other things. But I do not think it was guys leaving the program or coaches leaving that were the biggest impact on whether Wisconsin had success last year or not. Um, I'm so I, I I would say no to that. I'm glad that we agree on that. I think, as you said, in the moment, especially when four guys enter the portal in a, about a 10 day stretch, the natural inclination on the outside is to be like, oh, my God, something terrible must be happening. But and I wrote this in the mailbag, I think Wisconsin has shown that it's, it's able to plug in holes and in many instances find someone even better for the job down the road. So maybe if nothing else, it should be moderately reassuring that there are all these changes and Wisconsin still was okay. Obviously fans would want them to be better and, and they probably should be better. But again, I, I don't think despite all of those things stacking up, I don't think any of them had it been different and they stayed. I don't think Wisconsin's better than nine and four. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. I would agree. And I think, you know, the, the one change this off season with Joe Rudolph leaving is a bigger impact on what Wisconsin does than any of those guys moving on before. Uh, I agree a hundred percent given the position and really given what it opens up everywhere else. Correct. So Bob Bostad in his spot now, and we'll see what they want to do at office coordinator and, and see what they decide to do with the linebacker, inside linebacker, whether they make it just a, a linebacker position and they allow Bobby April 
to coach the entire position or they move a guy, you know, in Chris Herring, who has coached inside linebackers before there, and, and maybe they change the role of the special teams uh, coordinator. I don't know. Whatever they decide to do, they have made the first step in doing that in moving Bob Ostad to offensive line, and I think that's a, a very, very good choice, and we'll see what they want to do with the offensive coordinator. And, and again, I'm going to say it right now. I think uh, by this time next week we know uh, who that offensive coordinator is, and uh, we'll be back to talk about it. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.